You are listening to the 1% Christian, the daily Bible study where we get together for 1% of our day. We study God's word and then we head out to the remaining 99% to do something amazing with this life that God's given us. I am Pastor J.D. Ambrosio of Sound of Heaven Church in Deer Park, New York. I invite you to check us out at soh.church. And while you're there, make sure that you download our free mobile app. There's a digital Bible. There's an online community. There's all of our teachings. So it's a good resource in your pocket. And if you're listening anywhere where you get your podcasts, like, share, subscribe, turn on your notifications. Don't want you to miss anything as we continue through our daily studies. We are in the Gospel of Matthew, and we're starting Matthew chapter 18 today. And uh, this is a very interesting chapter. We find the disciples bickering amongst themselves, and, and we see a couple of accounts of something similar to this. And they're playing a game that we often play, and that is the game of who is the greatest Who's the best? Everybody's played it on the playground as a kid. And to be honest, as adults, we like to play this game as well. We like to look at everyone around us and say, huh, I wonder if I am greater than this person or not. And it is an exercise in futility. (laughs) And the disciples are walking around with Jesus and you remember back from chapter 15 uh, when they are walking through Tyre and Sidon and they're approached by the Canaanite woman. What do they do? They tell her to to be gone. I'm sorry, they tell Jesus. They say, Jesus, just do away with her. She's shouting at us. And well, Jesus had different plans in mind. And what I'm getting at is they got real comfortable as Jesus's entourage Uh, But what they failed to recognize was that Jesus came to uh, not be served, but to serve and to bless those who may be less fortunate. And he has said it over and over again in various ways uh, that to be the greatest in the kingdom, you must become the least, right? From the first to be the first, you must be the last. We'll get into that here a little bit more. But let's start by reading Matthew chapter 18 at this this account, and, and we'll see where the disciples uh, take an interesting turn here, and then Jesus turns it into a learning experience that we're going to cover really over the next, I would say, five to seven days. Uh, we're going to study out uh, Jesus's teaching of the disciples here, and he's got some pretty strong words uh, for them and for you and me. Uh, But, uh, of course, they are going to bless you. So let's just start reading. We're in Matthew chapter 18, starting with verse 1. We'll be just in verse 1 to 4 today. It says, At that time the disciples came to Jesus and asked him, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of God? So, you know, you can imagine, and we already know from other places in the in the uh, New Testament Gospels that they they really bickered about this amongst them, themselves. So they go to Jesus, who then is the greatest in the kingdom of God? I believe pointing to it toward themselves, right? Jesus had already uh, you know shared in uh, previous chapters we read that you know jo- that John the Baptist was the greatest up until prophet up until that point. But what he says, the least in the kingdom. 
is greater than John the Baptist. And why is that? Because we have access to the new covenant truth. John the Baptist never got to walk that out like you and I did. So they, they're wanting to know who's the greatest, and Jesus calls over to him, starting uh, verse 2 here. He called a little child to him and placed the child among them. Now, I imagine him, you have Jesus, and then you have the disciples. And I guess you could imagine it two ways. You can imagine it that he is brings a child next to him. And sometimes I think, too, he takes a child and, and kind of puts it alongside. So they're standing, you know, there's Peter, there's John, there's Matthew, and then here's little Timmy there, standing there. And he says this, which was probably pretty disappointing. He says, verse 3, Truly I tell you, unless you change, unless you change and become like little children, you'll never enter into the kingdom of God. Therefore, verse 4, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom. And whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. So Jesus really puts this into perspective. They want to know who's the greatest. And why is that? Because they were still very much in the mindset that the greatest was going to be this warrior-like presence, right? Or, or the, the extremely wise, extremely strong. And Jesus flips the scripts here. They, he, they, they wanted very much like everyone else, a Messiah that was going to come and destroy the Romans, destroy their enemies. But Jesus says, I'm going to show you who's the greatest. Look at this little guy right here. And this must have disappointed because the role of children was one that was not important at all. When you look at that culture, children were better to be seen and not heard. So the concept that the greatest in the room would be a child was definitely counterculture. And what we've come to realize by now is that Jesus often countered their culture and their tradition. But I want us for a moment to look at the characteristics of children, to really uncover what Jesus is trying to portray here. A child is non-threatening, non-threatening to those around. A child is easily welcomed into a place. A child is inquisitive. A child always wants to know. I, my, my kids... If I let them, and I generally do let them, they will ask why, where, what, how come type of questions over and over and over again. And that's a blessing. And that is an example. Because so many of us, like the disciples, I'll be 19 years as a Christian coming this July. And the battle as you are walking out your faith is not to get so comfortable that you feel like you've arrived and you know everything. We have a, a guy that just came to Sound of Heaven Church, awesome, awesome guy. His name is Adam. And he grew up his whole life in Islam. His whole life, he was a Muslim. And he came to Sound of Heaven service. <clears throat> Excuse me. I believe he came twi twice. 
And uh, this past Sunday, he gave his life over to Jesus. I'm sorry, the, the Sunday prior, he gave his life to Jesus. He said God had been tugging on him. And I, talking with him after service, I said, I want you and I to grab some lunch this week if you're open to it. So I did, and I broke bread with him. And I just wanted to be there to answer his questions. But what was so, what was so awesome to be in the presence of is his excitement and his zeal for learning, to ask questions, to ask challenging questions. And, and I, I was excited to answer them. I was excited to hear what he had to say. But a child is inquisitive in that way. And when we are born again, we really are children. We are born again into this new life, this new creation, this new existence. And many of you, including myself, can look back at when we made that decision. And maybe you're brand new to it too. Maybe you feel that fire and passion inside of you. But for those of us who have been around the block a little bit, we've got to make sure that we keep that fire and that passion. what? The day that we stop is the day that we stop, the day that we stop growing. None of us ever arrive. There's always more to learn. That's why I like getting around teachers like, like uh, uh, Jamie Engelhardt, uh, uh, Dr. Matthew Hester. It's why when I came to Sound of Heaven Church, you know, I, I had pastored for four years at that point, but I'm extremely grateful that I got around Johnny Ova and was able to take steps forward. And, and you know, I believe it re it's reciprocal. You know, I was able to introduce some things as well. And, and that's what we do. We strengthen one another, but we should always be excited about learning. Uh, another thing about a child, a child sees no distinction between themselves and others of, for some of the reasons that we do as well, right? Child doesn't see color. You can bring a child to uh, a, a, a playground they're not saying, oh, that kid's Chinese, that kid's African-American. They don't. They go, they play. They show no partiality. They don't see economic status. But we see all these things, right? And is that not the true nature of God? Not even just the New Testament God. I say that in air quotes because it's the same God. But in Samuel... It's released that God does not look at the outward appearance. He looks at the heart. The child, children do exactly that. They may ask questions, but they don't have those biases that you and I come into that a lot of times we just pick up over the course of our life. If a child has a bias, it was taught that he, she was taught that bias. A child is always a symbol of purity and innocence. And we all, we all know kids that are not. <laughs> we all know sometimes our kids are not, you know, the most innocent. You know, they make mistakes. But I think we can also point out that, you know, we as parents sometimes contribute to those. A child is eager to believe the impossible. Wow. And that's one thing I always see in new Christians, too is they embrace that miraculous power. We sometimes can, you know, we've been around the block, we've seen it, you know, and it's, it's amazing. Every time I, I start shying away from my own beliefs, my own, my own feelings, 
start seeing the miraculous spring up more in my life. And again, I don't chase miracles. You shouldn't chase miracles. But when you chase God, miracles chase you. And most of all here, what we can learn and take from this is that children are humble. And we are in our greatest position when we are humble as well. Again, remember Matthew in Matthew 15, where the saints, he's saying, send that woman away. And Jesus is saying, no, no, no. And he, and yes, there was an interaction there where, you know, the, the woman was, you know, reaching and saying, Hey, I want the scraps from your table. And Jesus said, well, you have great faith. You can have more than that. You're going to have the children's bread. You're going to have the deliverance that you're looking for. But if we want to be first, we have to be willing to be last. Jesus came down from the table at the head of the table at the Last Supper. And what did he do? He washed the feet of his disciples. And the best place to start is that humble place. That's why I love the concept of, of prison ministry, right? I have a good friend, and he was one of the mentors in my life for a long time on the side of worship and on the side of just pastoral care. It's Pastor Edward McKnight. He's down south still. I'd love to bring him on one day. You know, he is very heavily involved in, in prison ministry, and I love that because what you're walking into an environment where people can't help you, where they've done things that they shouldn't have done. And you walk through that door, not to scorn them, not to punish them, but to serve them. And I think that right there is a beautiful thing as we come up on our 1% today. And Jesus says, therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom. And whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. We should embrace humility in our life. It's a great place to start. It's a place where we look at our own imperfections and our own struggles. And we look at other people through the lens of, hey, if God did it for me, if God loves me, man, I better love them, that he loves them. Or if God forgives me for my transgressions, he forgives them. It's a place where I'm not worried about whether I'm greater than someone else. I know that I'm only greater when I'm willing to serve someone else. And if you embrace that, it's a beautiful existence. It's not you being a, a doormat to the world. It's you acting like Christ. And that's really what we should strive for, right, is to be more Christ-like. And when you think about the, uh, just the amazing, the, just the amazing, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The amazing expression of love that God, the creator of the universe, the one who put the stars in the sky, the sun in the sky, the one that built this world to such precision that we could have life on it that he would become like you and me and not just like you and me, but he would serve you and me by becoming less than, by allowing the world to crucify him, but to also show that 
you know, by become by by doing that, that there's life that comes from that. We don't benefit anything if we're just trying to be better than the next person. But if we're willing to better the next person, we better the whole world around us. It was stated in previous chapters, right? What good is it to gain the whole world and lose your own soul? And I believe with every fiber of my being as we close out today that a greater existence is to, is to not only have that, have God work in and through in you, but to work, have him work through you. Said it on this program many times before, right? If we had to boil down the meaning of life into two things, it really is this. Know him and make him known. Change people with the power of God. The power of God isn't oppressive. It isn't putting people down or punishing people. The power of God is loving people. Amen. First, you have to realize God loves you. And then you get to realize that God loves everyone. And the really cool thing to realize is God loves everyone through you as well. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, in the mighty name of Jesus, we come before you, Lord. We want to be the best that we can be, but we don't want to claim to be the greatest. We don't want to be too proud. We don't want to be puffed up, Lord. Father, if there's any place where we need humility, Lord, gently help us to get there. We want to be take our place in the kingdom like that of a child. One that is inquisitive and wants to continue learning. One that doesn't sh- just show partiality between people. We want to be able to love everybody like you love them. Sanctify us, Lord, so we can maybe remove some of the impurities in our life and Lord, please help us to really embrace the impossible. We know that all things are possible through you. Through Christ, all things are possible. And we humbly go into our day ready to make a difference in your mighty name. I'm Pastor J.D. Ambrosio, Sound of Heaven Church in Deer Park, New York. Check us out at soh.church. This is the 1% Christian, the daily Bible study where we get together for 1% of our day, study God's word, head out to the remaining 99 to do something for Christ's sake. I love you guys. I'll see you tomorrow as we continue with Matthew chapter 18.